I don't want this to be an overly serious episode. Oh gosh. Well, we can don't worry. I can make anything serious, not serious. <laughs> but we need to at least take the serious thing serious this week. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to B and B. Uh, not the kind of B&B that you stay at on, on a long vacation with weird people that you've never met before, but B&B is in Bible and banter. The other B&B, of course, being a bed and breakfast. Mike. Yo. What's up, dog? Hey, I'm, I'm just doing a little quick something. Hey. Oh, what is that? What? Oh, hey. Oh, hey, oh, hey. Oh, look at that. Huh? Oh, what is this, man? Uh, this is this is a different camera that I've ne I've never used for this per these purposes, but I decided to try hooking it up and just mi mid live stream give it a go. Hey, hey. So what? So I uh, I like it. So what do you use that camera for? This is actually our little Mevo live stream camera that we use for uh, for worship service, and it's uh -huh. the old version. They don't sell it anymore because we got in like right when they're transitioning to a new form. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, way back in the day, they upgraded it to have webcam mode feature, um, and I can. Ooh, ooh, and that, that I'm con that I'm controlling from an iPad. Wow, that I like it, Mike. Now. Are you looking at your iPad or your computer and you're like looking at me at the computer? No, or... I'm looking at my my computer right now. I'm oh. looking at my iPad right now. I'm looking at the camera right now. But you can't see me. You only see the camera. When I'm looking at the camera. So I would, I'm not going to use it for the whole time, but I just wanted to see how it would work. Uh -huh. um, but next time I'm going to get a uh, maybe a stand or something and put it behind I mean, my we, laptop. You know how like television shows have like a 20, 30 second intro? And whatnot, and they show like the characters, and they have like these these poses that never end up show, showing up in the show. We should like do a twenty second intro and include and include that like little you swiveling in your chair, dude. Your right. your office is a mess, man. I know. I am not organized. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Mine's neat. not. Mine's not any better. So, all right. <laughs> let me switch back because it's weird looking at my profile. It it is. Can confirm. So I was go. just talking about this uh, with you because I was asking if you got one of these cool little mugs. My wife brought in uh, something last night from the mail. She said, hey, you got something from some guy named Larry. And I was like, oh, I don't really know if I know any Larrys. And it turned out to be Larry Knowles from Advent Christian Retirement Communities. And he sent me. I don't know if he's sending it to a lot of people. Um, yeah. But this beautiful coffee mug. And I'm using it today. And I like it because it's tall. I like, I like the, yeah, no, those those are solid ones. I got one, I think, from a, con a region, convent, eastern region, or something to that effect. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I like them; they're good quality. Um, you know, they're, they're not wide; they're more long, tall than they are wide, mm -hmm. uh, which is a bit unique. I like it, uh, but yeah, no, good. nice. I'm glad Larry reached out to you in that way. Larry's a good guy. Well, I, I was about to send him an email. And I realized yeah. I don't have Larry Knowles' email. So, Larry, if you're watching, thank you so much. If you're not watching, maybe somebody can put in the comments his email so I can thank him. <laughs> How about not in the comments? How about just Facebook message you or something with his email? Because he might not want that all over Facebook. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. But now here's, I'm a little jealous. My, my email address is michaelalex at hopeadventchristianchurch.com. 
I don't even know if that's your email. Is that your email? There were bits and pieces of my email in there, but okay, <laughs> lots of other things too. Uh, Bigford says he's going to send me Larry's email. Thank you, Nathaniel. Perfect. I appreciate that. I, I, I want knew he to. Would, I, I want to. I want to thank Larry for the wonderful gift. I love it. These small things, man. I mean, it's the small yeah. things in life. A good coffee mug. What's up? Th- you know, we haven't prepared for this, but what is a small thing in life, a, a small comfort that you really enjoy other than a sweet coffee mug from the great Larry Knowles? Oh, that's a good good question. There's a few. I mean, I'll be honest. It's been a long time since I've had one just because health stuff and I don't want to buy this stuff for it, but smoking a pipe. Mm. I, I really do enjoy that. And if it wouldn't, if it didn't kill you, I'd probably do it more. Um, honestly, this is going to sound weird. I, I like new t-shirts. Ooh. I don't know. There's something about t-shirts or, or little things that are funny, mm-hmm. you know, but just in what? case you're wondering here, here's that camera that I was just using. That's how yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. Like, no, yeah. I haven't seen yours in particular, yeah. but I've heard of Mevo. They're, it's kind of expensive. Yeah, it, it's a bit on the pricey side. However, it, it does a lot of things that you would need a whole like setup for. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily on the high end production level, uh, but like we can live, live stream straight to Facebook or YouTube straight from that device. We don't like need a laptop or anything. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, but I, I do want to show you, share with you something that I got in the mail. When'd you get in the mail? Now I feel awkward having one of these. So if we want to figure out a way of maybe we can, someone can win this today. Uh, but, uh, so if you register for triennial early, if you're the first 100, you could receive this. Yo, I got one of those too. Yeah. I, I was one of the first 100. Yeah. Here's the thing. I was pretty late, I thought, to registering, and oh, I still no. got one, and so I'm a little, that made me a little worried, so if you haven't registered for Triennial, please do, because I should not have got one of these. What's wrong with you? How late. What's wrong with you if you haven't registered for Triennial yet? Do you know you can register for, tri- for Triennial even if you just want to, like, participate, but not be a delegate? Right, so you don't exactly. have to be you a delegate to register. Exactly, and it's free. When in, I mean, when was the last time we remember a free triennial? When's the last time you ever got a free anything? It's true. Outside of a free Uh, coffee mug. And then number two, I'm the chairman of the Berkshire Christian Board, and I feel guilty because these aren't meant for me. This wasn't meant Mm. for me. This was Mm. meant for all of you that we love and we cherish and we covet your support and your prayers. Uh, So this isn't meant for me. And so I would encourage you. Uh, to register, yo, drop a link for the registration. Uh, yeah, let me let's go. Get people registered. Yeah, let me uh, go find that. I, I don't know if I can drop a link. So, uh, what? Uh, you can. You can't respond to the comments. Not, not through live. Not through. Uh, uh, okay. Well, let me pull it up real stream. quick. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, so, Carolyn, you you can register uh, and not have to be a delegate. So you can just like click that you're not a church delegate. So. Um, so that's really cool. So that way you can part, you can at least like hear the conversations that are going on. Um, I don't know how much there's going to be. Uh, I was actually just talking with Tom Lager. And I think like they've been having executive committee meetings or executive council meetings, rather like talking about, you know, some of the p- p- particulars. Is it particulars or particulars? I think it's particulars. Anyway, 
Um, I don't know. Uh, there's kind of a lot in there. I know. I know the first night is going to be the the really big night, man. That's election night. That, that's true, and I hear it's going to be tooth and nail competitive. Uh, I don't know, man. I we'll see. Yeah. So the pop up still comes up. So Carolyn, I'm going to drop this down, this link, and boom, you click that link after the show. Like you still want to watch this show, but you can click the link and then sign up over uh, for Triennial. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that option to to respond through the chat. I can private mm -hmm. chat with you, but I can't Lucky respond you. to the comments. That's all you really need. Um, so yeah, Triennial is going to be fun. Uh, that should be interesting. So I'm I'm on the website now. So let's see what they have up here. Is there anything exciting? So it's April 21st to the 23rd, which mm -hmm. is uh, I think it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm -hmm. and then. It'll be from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. But, like, who knows, man? We could be having fun. Go much sure. later than 9 p.m. Meetings go late sometimes. I mean, hey, I, we, all, we all love to, like, you know, meet on Zoom and different things like that, much more than in person. And, you know, so who knows what could happen late into the night on these virtual conventions. Mike, where are you going to – I want to know this. Where is the great Mike Alex going to be located while he's in Triennial? Like, are you going to be on the couch? Are you going to be outside maybe smoking your pipe? Are you going to mm. be in the bedroom laying down while having, like, NCIS on in the background? Or Well, number one, we do not have a TV in our bedroom, so I will not be – so uh, we don't watch NCIS there. But um, I will probably be somewhere around my house because I'm actually on vacation next week. Uh-oh, what happened? You, you froze up on me. Did I lose something? You froze up on me. It could have been my internet or yours. I'm it could sure. be mine so too. Where are you, where are you, where are you going to be? I'll probably be at home somewhere. Uh, the you know we're going to have to roll the dice of what's going on when seven o'clock rolls around because that's often when we're trying to wrangle our three children for for to get ready for bed. Um, and so I'll probably at least start off on my phone or iPad, uh, mm -hmm. listening in, and then once they're settled down um, after many many death threats. Um, then I'll probably pay, pay, be able to pay closer attention. Okay, cool. Well, let me just go through. So Wednesday night, I'm looking at it right now. Wednesday night, they're going to have devotions. Hopefully someone's bringing some heat. Uh, president's report. Ooh, that should be good. Associate members reports. Man, now that's exciting. Then the nominating committee slash elections. And then the finance. I don't know if that's a finance report or, or what. Then Thursday, devotions, someone bringing heat, executive director's report. That is the Pope, the great Steve Lawson, I imagine. Um, uh, department reports with Q&A. Q&A, man. That, I love Q&A. Uh, is, is that different than QAnon? Yeah, very different than QAnon. Like, very different. Um, QAnon, occult, Q&A. Is like you get to ask people <laughs> the tough questions, um, and then business session, uh, and then resolutions. So they got resolutions on there, which is exciting. There, uh, I can tell you, I think I uh, Nathaniel, tell me if I can share the resolution that might be brought before the floor. I don't know. Um, I'll wait for Nathaniel to give me the go ahead, but there could be a resolution coming up. Then Friday is opening worship. Then presentations, a necrology report and service. Uh, is that like is that like a necromancer? Is that like 
is Necro is that kind of like you know? Uh, I think it has something King to do Saul with bringing up the Witch of Endor. I think it does have something to do with death. Okay, all right. Um, ACRC celebration of Centennial, and then uh, message from Steve Lawson. So that's that's pretty. I'm, I'm pretty amped up for that. I love listening to Steve. Steve's a great dude. Mm. Um, and then yeah, yep. So then we've got the candidates on here. If you go to that link that we shared, uh, we have uh, our very own Thomas Logry who is the lone choice running for recording secretary. Um, I affectionately refer to him as Madam Secretary. And then we have uh, the president running unopposed, John Gallagher. I don't know John very well. I've met him a couple of times, but I've heard really good things about John. And then uh, we have member at large. This is where it's going to be interesting. We have three candidates for member at large. We have Johnson Raju, who is the pastor of the Asian Indian Advent Christian Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. We have Brad Ellis, who is the executive director of Vernon Advent Christian Home in Vernon, Vermont. And then we have your very own, Eric Reynolds, pastor of Hickory Grove Advent Christian Church in Four Oaks, North Carolina. Question. Okay. This isn't Q&A time. Right, but I'm just, something suspicious has just come into my mind. Okay. Where did that mug come from? ACRC. <clears throat> Where is Brad from? ACRC. Do you think that he's trying to bribe you to drop out? I don't know. I haven't met Brad. I actually, and I haven't really met, I don't think I've met Johnson, but I think uh, from everything that I've heard, they're both really good dudes. They're really good guys. So, Regardless, I'm excited for whoever gets uh, whoever gets Here, elected. Here's the here's the thing. I don't think Brad would have done such a move. Okay, I probably would have. Maybe I should should I send him? Well, it came from uh, it came from Larry Noel. So, do you think that maybe I should send them copies of my books and like it'll offset the whole thing? Um, I I have heard that some of their t- tables are wobbly and need more uh, something to put under them to make them sturdier. So <laughs> I think that would be helpful. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, the cool thing is, is like, so, so with these, you obviously have three very distinct, like very different people, but I think they're probably so. qualified in their own rights, you know? So uh, I think with Brad, you know, he's the executive director of, of ACRC, which I don't know all that that entails, but dude, that's, that's a huge responsibility, a huge job. And, and they excel, like they're nationally recognized. They do a tremendous work. They are phenomenal. They are phenomenal. And just the, Mm -hmm. the federal, federal regulations alone that they put down on nursing homes and, and uh, places like ACRC Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they've been recognized the way that they have, um, is remarkable. Yeah. And so, yeah, to be, to be a guy of uh, like Brad, um, to have that job and want to serve, uh, our denomination extended like this as well, mm-hmm. props to, props to him to, to be willing to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I've had a, a few interactions with him and he's a, he's a stellar guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, a strong slate of nominations all across the board, but definitely in the, mm-hmm. in the, uh, 
the member at large. That's a that's a good group. Uh, that's I a don't hard, think we can go that's wrong. a hard decision. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can go wrong. And I and I don't mean that in like a self-aggrandizing way. Like to me, it's humbling to be in the same category as these yeah. other two guys. Uh, but you know, I think I think they they both have shown a good track record of of success in in areas of ministry and probably um, administrative organizational leadership and whatnot. I mean, my background is more in you know, of course, like organizational background the last four or five years in the church. But prior to that, I was always an organizational leader in the army. So it's, it, it is different, uh, inherently, but right. it'll that, be that and sarcasm. Yeah. So I, if you want the most sarcastic candidate, I mean, again, I haven't met these two gentlemen, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you can yeah. measure up to my sarcasm, <laughs> which, you know, it just got me thinking on this slate, especially the member large slate, you know, in a day when there, you can't make a right decision, no matter what, Mm-hmm. There are no wrong decisions on that Boom. slate. Boom. And ultimately, it's in the Lord's hand. Ultimately. So, That's why uh, I don't vote. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice. That's not true. I vote. <laughs> <laughs> he just votes whoever QAnon tells him to vote for. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Palma, Palma corrected us. She said that uh, the necrology report is remembering uh, those pastors and wives who have died during the triennial, so in the last three years. So, Gotcha. Um, so I was right in that it had to do with something with the death, but that wasn't focused enough. So thank you, Palma. Well, thank I'm grateful that's what the necrology report is, and it's not a report of us trying to raise the dead. Right. Well, see, that's where, where we need – our seasoned saints like Palma for, for mm-hmm. our younger generation. Cause we literally wouldn't know what's going on. Yeah. We, we just go on to something new and forget the necessities of remembering the past. Um, mm-hmm. And we always need that reminder. I think, uh, you know, church and otherwise, like in other things, we should continually learn the history of, of ourselves, of our people of the world. Uh, I've been spending the last couple of days, uh, watching Band of Brothers with my son, which, man, there have been a couple of times where I've gone, ooh, I don't know if I would have wanted him to see this. But um, language isn't a huge deal because he knows, like, hey, there's language that we use. There's, you know, there's language that is appropriate in certain times and not appropriate in other times. So, like, let's not use the F-bombs or, you know, all this stuff, the GDs and, and all that. However, I look at that and go, I'm willing to accept that risk of my son being exposed to that and he otherwise probably would be anyway just with family and friend like we have people that use those kinds of words all the time uh in our not like our household but just extended family um but i mean the stuff that you learn watching band of brothers and the appreciation that you gain for what these uh, truly heroes went through uh back in back in war ii it's incredible so yeah learn the history Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mike. Yeah. We are talking about a very touchy subject, apostasy. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're, we're going to go from trying to have a little fun and we're going to talk about some serious stuff here. Uh, uh, Meredith, uh, before we do that, I want to read what Meredith has to say about TV. Speaking of TV with kids, just wanted to plug vid. Angel, it's an awesome filter streaming service that connects to your Netflix and Amazon that has toggle switches for content editing. 
It's awesome. Thank you, Meredith. I wonder how that would affect, like, how that would affect the thrust of certain works. Like, because I think, I don't think that something like Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan, which we watched, we watched like the first 20 or 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan in conjunction with Band of Brothers that my son could get a greater context of, of what D-Day was um, and how how your airborne units worked, you know, essentially the strategy that was involved in the airborne units jumping in prior to the invasion over at Normandy on the beaches. So like in that circumstance, I wonder, I wonder if you lose a lot of stuff, if you, if you miss out on the language and uh, the, some of the violence. Now, is this a paid subscription? I'm pretty sure it is. I've heard of it angel. And I think it is a paid subscription. Gotcha. But I'll allow Meredith to speak to that. She's she's apparently our vid angel expert for the day. So that's exactly. Um, that actually reminds me, Meredith giving a shout out for vid angel, which which is probably a tremendous service. Um, I'm going to drop a link right here. Now this is an exclusive mic. So we, we were talking about this in our group chat with Luke last night, and uh, well, they make it free and haven't made us pay yet. Oh, so it is free. That's wonderful. So now you can so now you can watch like. Game of Thrones without feeling bad, without the sex and and uh, all the other stuff. I so, think Game of Thrones would be literally two minutes long every episode. <laughs> How would you know, Mike? I, honestly, I don't because I've never seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> I can't say that for other things, but I have not seen Game of Thrones. Okay, okay. So, uh, so Mike, we were talking last night. I actually applied back when we started Bible and Banter uh, when you were when you were. A, a viewer and not a participant, or I guess you were a participant because you were an avid commenter. I want everybody to know you're active participants in the show, but you you, you weren't a host on the show. Um, we, so we applied for to be an affiliate for Logos Bible Software. Uh, big fan of Logos. Luke doesn't read, so he doesn't use Logos. Mike kind of uses Logos. We're gonna we went through some of the Logos stuff last week. I'm actually doing a daily. Almost daily. It depends on my day, but I'm trying to do a daily uh, thing on my church's Facebook where I'm teaching people how to study the Bible. And we're going to be doing that here on uh, every other Bible and Banter episode and uh, using Logos Bible software. But we have an exclusive deal where you get 50% off their foundational uh, Logos uh, what a base, or package, fundamental package. So instead of it being $100, it's $49, $49.99. So I'm posting that link right here. So we actually, I mean, you get a 50% discount, and then we also get uh, a cut of that too from Logos. So you get a discount, you get a discount, you get a discount, you get a discount. Discounts for everybody. Oh, we're the, we're the Oprah, we're the Oprah Winfrey of the Advent Christian denomination. Look at that. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. You can thank us later. So if you don't have Logos, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, but, uh, you know, it's okay. You can get right. So, uh, anyway, that's enough plugs for today. Let's get into the topic. So initially this week we were supposed to have a special guest whom I was super excited for. Mike knows this. Luke knows this. When I landed him as a guest, I thought this was the Holy grill of guests. He would have blown all of our other guests out of the water except for those of you who are watching were guests. Um, it doesn't work on Linux. I'm very sorry, Carolyn. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Or are you talking about 
I don't know if she's talking about the link I just shared or the link to ACGC. I wonder if Logos doesn't work on Linux. It might not. It might not. That's that's why Nathaniel doesn't use it. So, um, uh, so yeah. So this guest we were supposed to have, I was stupid excited, man. I've been following him for a number of years. Uh, incredibly intelligent, like otherworldly smart. Just graduated a year or two with, um, with his PhD in theology. He, I have his. Uh, I actually have his books. Where is it? So this book right here called The Trauma of Doctrine. So Paul Maxwell, he studied under Kevin Van Hooser, who's one of the top theologians in the world today, um, over at TED's Trinity Evangelical Divinity Seminary. So um, super dude, man, super dude. And uh, good reformed theologian who um, who had suffered a lot of trauma in his life, especially in his childhood. And these are all things he's very public with. Like he shared, he, he's shared them. So not like it's just been public. Uh, so over the weekend, man, I found out that because uh, I had actually emailed him last week to, to just verify, hey, man, you sure you're, co- you know, just making sure you're coming on next Tuesday. Ah, ghost, man, no, nothing, heard nothing. Well, um, I heard over the weekend that he's actually renounced the faith. So he has, and, and that's actually been confirmed by a couple of other sources that have reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, Paul's not willing, you know, not ready to talk publicly too much about this right now, but you know, I have, if you have questions, you can talk to me, not me personally, but these other folks. And, um, he has, he has renounced the faith, which is very disappointing. Um, heartbreaking. It certainly hit me hard over the last few days because he's someone that I've really looked up to and, and admired and, and gleaned a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff from. So, uh, he obviously was not going to make today's show. Um, so we decided this morning, Hey, maybe we should talk about apostasy. So Mike, Mike, what's, what's apostasy? Mike, you there? Yeah. Apostasy from the Greek word apostasia. I can't read Greek anymore. Are you, are you using this with Lagos? Yep. Are you really? No. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> a defiance of an established system or authority, a rebellion, abandonment, or breach of faith. Okay. And so in the first century world, apostasy was a technical term for political revolt or defection. So apostasy is pretty much to renounce what you believe. Right. Now bring it to the Christian perspective. So it would be to walk away, to renounce, especially publicly the gospel Mm -hmm. and the Christian faith. Yeah. And I guess my, like my hesitancy immediately when I watched like the video where he was sharing, he, he, it, you know, he didn't say like, Hey, I no longer believe in Jesus. I no longer believe in God or anything like that. You know, he didn't say, Hey, I'm an atheist or, or I'm this or I'm that. Uh, so I was hesitant to say, this is apostasy. He typically, he, he just used the term, I'm no longer a Christian. And I thought maybe, and I was hoping maybe my own naivete, maybe in my, uh, optimism or or hope or just kind of shock i thought man and i've said this to a few other people and including you and, and luke like hey maybe he hasn't 
completely apostatized. Maybe he's just in some kind of like spiritual struggle where he no longer wants to identify with like those he identified previously, which I get like, <laughs> like uh, evangelical Christianity is not a place where pain and hurt are handled very well. And his book really explores this and I've experienced it. I've seen it. Like we don't do well in this area. So, so, and we've really mucked a lot of things up in the last four, five, six, seven years in, in some particular areas. So maybe he just wanted to like distance himself from that. And I was, and I, and I was like, well, I don't like that, but that's more preferable than saying, you know, you know, you no longer follow Christ or believe in Christ. So for, for it to be confirmed that yes, indeed, he no he is truly no longer a Christian. Uh, crushes me, man. It like uh, I'm I'm hurting for him. Like I love this guy. I you know, and I don't know him personally other than some of the interactions that we've had via email or on Twitter. Like he and I have have gone back and forth on Twitter on some good stuff. I've found some things helpful in his in his recent book on trauma. Like I've I've suffered trauma in my life, and it's been helpful for me to deal with these things. And and now to see where he's at now. Holy smokes, man! Like. First off, I don't want this guy to perish, but, but two, like, how do we, how do we navigate this? Because how how do we navigate, you know, a friendship where, or, or any kind of relationship where someone leaves the faith? That's a very, and again, I don't think we always handle it well. I think we handle it poorly more often than we handle it well. So I'm hoping today we can just kind of handle some of the difficult passages in scripture, especially you and I, we consider ourselves reformed or Calvinistic in, in, in our theology, which is a theology that, that Maxwell held at one time. And within reformed theology, we believe, Hey, you, um, you know, the, the doctrine of perseverance of the saints, which is, which says that when someone is a Christian, they can never not ever be a Christian. They can never lose the faith. There can be times where there's spiritual dryness. There can be times of intense doubt and pain, but that doesn't, that's not going to characterize them for the rest of their life. Like they, they're firmly in the hands of God. Jesus says that no one can pluck you from my father's hand, right? That's in the gospel of John. So what does that mean other than someone can't leave the faith unless they otherwise were never part of the faith to begin with? Do I, do I sum that up correctly, Mr. Mdiv? Yes. Okay. All right. Mr. Master of Divinity. Um, So so where do we go from here, Mike? Well, first, I need to to confess that when you sent us the original article stating that Paul Maxwell had walked away from the faith, renounced the faith, I didn't realize that was this Paul Maxwell that we were going to have interviewed. And I didn't realize what you didn't. I didn't, I didn't know that he had a connection with desiring God to begin with. I thought he was kind of a new, I thought he was a new face on the scene with a doctorate, writing some, flinging some cool books and everything. But I didn't realize how, how immersed he was in the, in the reformed, uh, you know, young and reformed and restless crowd. Um, And so, you know, it was very sobering. Um, I think before we get into the, the, uh, the scriptures, we have to confess uh, how how sobering something like this is. It, it it makes me think of you know like a Joshua Harris, even whatever you thought about Joshua Harris to begin with, but just the these guys that seem to really be in the same 
realm as many of us, mm-hmm. evangelical Christians, solid Bible teaching, all of these things. And then um, it just blows up. And not even because of any necessarily moral failings. Like I'm not even thinking of a, of a Ravi Zacharias or disqualification on their part. Uh, but just, hey, the more I think about this, it seems like they're saying, the more it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And so then you have to recognize that um, unless you're, you're just, uh, to be honest, unless you're just completely never doubted anything in your whole life, it makes you start to think, well, what is he seeing that I'm not seeing? Uh, you know, and so it's, it is unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully it doesn't make us unsettled. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way. That's a good distinction. That's a good yeah. distinction. Um, yeah. So, so I think that it's good to go back to the scriptures. How do we respond? Um, and I think that the key is we need to bear one another's burdens um, w- with love. I think that's a, the number one thing. Um, well, can, I, I just want to say this, man. I don't fear doubts. Right. Right. Whether it's doubts of my kids or my family or my church or even myself, uh, I don't fear doubt because I I view doubt as an instrument God uses to drive us even deeper into the faith. Uh, But we have to understand our doubt. We have to understand that the doubt is there for a reason when we have it. And doubt doesn't mean that you don't believe. But doubt can be an instrument so that you can grow in your faith and your love for God. Mm-hmm. So my hope was, you know, hey, and maybe maybe with Paul, I mean, his life's not over, you know. So so maybe this is a time of, of spiritual dryness where he can't make sense of where he's at. Like, you know, I don't want to over speculate. Uh, but, you know, my hope is that is that uh, my prayer for him is the same as it would be for anybody else. And that's that they come to know Christ personally, relationally, and um, come to a place of faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and from so. the, the statements I read from Paul, he's handling it in a much less, it seems defensive manner. Lots of people, when they go apostate, it's almost like they, they try to burn every bridge and say you're all mm-hmm. y'all who are staying are jacked up and you almost mm-hmm. feel like you need you uh, almost like you you feel like you're an idiot for staying behind and sticking with it mm-hmm. whereas paul in some of his statements said you know i know not all of you are going to agree with this i know you all don't understand this and i understand all of your sharing scriptures with me and i just want you to know i love you i understand what you're trying to do and i appreciate it mm-hmm. and i'm like Good on good on him uh, to know the, know what he's leaving, mm-hmm. <laughs> or or potentially leaving because we're really not we don't have the full picture and um, and everything. So uh, yeah, um, a, 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 the the first thing we need to understand is it's okay to grieve and kind of be shaken mm-hmm. uh, by these things. Uh, and not really know how to answer them, especially. And that's the, that's the thing. I think that's one of the kind of the downfalls of public ministries detached from relational clout, so to speak, because mm-hmm. this guy was putting out all these things and we were invested in what he was teaching, not really invested in him uh, necessarily, 
but we felt invested in him because we were connecting with what he was saying and he had this broad base. And so now he's walking away and just the, the fallout from that is, is huge. I'm not quite sure how the fallout like from this would have affected real world people in the first century. But I just think of when Paul brings up like Demas, you know, Demas is no longer part of us because he loved the world. Um, he just kind of just states it matter of fact. Um, and, uh, but I really wonder what was the fallout from that? Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been happening since the first century. I mean, it's right. been happening since the garden. Um, well, I think, you know, one of the things that, that is so convincing about the scriptures is you look at the first century and I, and I had this conversation actually in apologetics class when I had to do a field-based assignment and talk to an atheist. And I shared with them, like, you realize in the first century, it was not popular to be Christian. Like, it wasn't, it, you didn't gain anything. You didn't gain any sort of clout or stature. You didn't gain anything monetarily. Uh, you're talking about doing this right after Jesus was crucified, uh, after he was raised from the dead and, and, and ascended. And we can, in one sense, we know these things to be true by the testimony of all of these early believers who are put to death. So, so, so many are put to death for the sake of the gospel, not renouncing the faith. How convinced do you have to be of a resurrected Jesus, an ascended Jesus, a Jesus who healed people, who forgave sin? How how convinced do you have to be to be put to death by the age of like 30 years old, you know, and, and for those strong beliefs, it is a testimony of, of God's faithfulness to them and their true belief in Christ crucified in Christ risen. So um, whenever I have these kind of moments of like, where I'm like, Holy smokes, man, what am I to do with this, with this Paul Maxwell stuff? Like, if he was deceived, if he thinks he was deceived and he was, I mean, he's infinite. You put his IQ, Mike's IQ, to, like my IQ and, and Mike's IQ together, you add them up, multiply them by 10. It's only half of where Paul's is. Like this guy is right. incredibly smart. I mean, probably right. not Luke. Like Luke's probably smarter. He was valedictorian. But, you know, other than that, um, right. like this guy is super smart, right? Yeah, but then I look at this evidence and I go, no, no, no. Like we're good, man. <laughs> like, you know, like I get it. Like I, I embrace these truths. Yeah. It's one thing for like a YouTuber or, you know, internet star, you know, entertainer to share their deconversion story and, you know, bring out the cheap unresearched ch- cheap shots towards their faith. But then when you have a, a, a heavy hitter, so to speak, mm-hmm. like a Paul Maxwell, um, it, it, it is, uh, it's, uh, unsettling. Um, but it, it brings me back to, you know, I was going to, we talked about like scriptures we were going to share, but it brings me just back to John, first John two nineteen. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us for if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of us belonged to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the danger we have to remember is people can write and understand theology and really still not know Christ. Yes. hundred percent. You know, I mean, it's kind of like the the pastor that has to, you know, counsel a married couple 
but he himself is single mm. to a lot of degree you you have to kind of in empathy you know you know minister with something that you don't totally have clear insight into what it means to be married. And, and let's be honest, not all of us have clear insight what it means to be married, even when we are married. Um, but the reality is you, you, sometimes you can venture into areas um, thinking you know more than you do. Um, and I, I think that's just one of, the, one of those hard realities that the way is narrow. And it's sobering for those of us. Um, you know, when we think back to Matthew 7, you know, and, and Jesus says, you know, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of evil. Um, and a guy like Paul Maxwell, will, you know, the, his day is not done. We pray for repentance, uh, that he will find repentance and find faith a, again or for the first time. Um, but the, the reality is, you know, on this side of the, the Lord's kingdom, uh, manifested kingdom, we all have, it is really by faith that we, we walk and we, we take the things that he has written and the way that he has communicated truth, even if it wasn't necessarily given to him by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And even then the spirit allowed people to speak, even if they did not have him indwelling. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, know, I mentioned this last week uh, when we're kind of doing an intro to studying the Bible. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned, Hey, much of studying the Bible is a science. Um, you know, you can learn how to study the Bible. You don't even have to be a believer, as as is clear with with Paul. Um, but it's the Holy Spirit that that allows and enables us to apprehend the truths of Scripture and apply them to our lives, and for them to be um, efficacious for us. So that's the difference, um, right. because there are a lot of people that are smarter than a lot of Christians that can, that can understand the, what the scriptures say about certain things, but they're not going to be able to fully apprehend those truths to their own minds without the work of the Holy spirit. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, man. So I, we were going to like one of the path, the difficulty for you and I, and, and maybe maybe this show is going to be more of a healing thing for me <laughs> and for you. But like, so for you and I, because of our theological conviction, we go, man, this guy certainly showed fruit at some point. Like, so was this, is it possible, Mike? Is it possible? And this is, this has been debated for, for centuries. Uh, those who are Arminians are going to differ with us in the answer to this question, but the question is, can a Christian lose their salvation? No. But Mike, what about Hebrews five and six? I told you, you were going to explain those passages. Nice way to set this up to try to avoid that, buddy. Nice. Well played, sir. <laughs> so, so uh, when Mike and I were talking, we said we want we definitely want to get into the scriptures on this. And, and I said, well, which scriptures do you want to cover? And he said, hey, you can cover Ephesians uh, or excuse me, Hebrews, uh, the Hebrews passages, and I'll cover everything else. And then when, right when, before we came on air, I said, hey, so what scriptures are you going to go to? He said, oh, I thought you were going to give me the scriptures. <laughs> So, so everything that Mike has said so far, he's kind of, you know, he said he pulled it from Wikipedia. 
So uh, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so uh, I'm, he's given me the hardest, this is the hardest to handle passage when it comes to this topic for reformed folks, for God, for those. And when we use reformed versus Armenian in this context, we're speaking particularly to whether or not the, um, whether or not salvation is a work of God, a work of man or both. So it, you, you're looking at me strange. Oh no, I'm no, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. So, so, that's what we're talking about. So for the Reformed, we view that salvation is a monergistic work, meaning it is a solo work of God. That doesn't negate that man has a responsibility to respond to God's work, but it's saying that that uh, faith and salvation comes by God alone. Right, Mike? Right. The Arminians believe that it is a synergistic work. In that, like the illustration is often used that if someone is drowning, they are thrown a life preserver. God throws them a life preserver and they themselves have to hold on to that life preserver to be saved. It is a synergistic work. They cooperate with God. The Calvinist or the Reformed folks like Mike and I would say that life preserver that's being like placed there uh, can't even be apprehended apart from God's work. So God moving your hands around that life preserver and he's the one clinging on to you tightly. You're not clinging on tightly. He is for you. Am I, am I, I want to be, I want to say this in a way that, that an Armenian could, could agree to it. Like I I don't want to, I don't want to build a straw man. Uh, Rarely. I usually like to build straw men, but I, I feel like the Armenian, um, Actual man is easier to take down than a straw one. I don't need a straw man for this one. But anyway, that's not the here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I got to make you shake your head. So, if uh, Hebrews five eleven through through six uh, nine, or excuse me, six twelve, this is the passage that uh, a lot of Armenians will use and say, "Well, hey, what about this? What about this particular passage?" So let's just read it, Mike. Um, just a little bit on Hebrews. This is a book specifically written um, with, you know, showing that Jesus is the long awaited for Messiah for the Jews. So it is a, a um, particularly he- Hebraic book. We don't know who the author is unless Mike wants to share who he thinks it is. But throughout the centuries, we have disagreed within the church who wrote it. Some believe it's Apollos. Some have thought Paul. I'm fairly convinced it wasn't Paul. Um, but we don't know who the author is. Do you think you know who the author is, Mike? No. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I'd love to talk to someone who thinks they do, like, and why. But I, I'm fairly convinced it's not Paul. So, anyway. Because um, it's interesting, because I remember reading a commentary years ago from, from actually John Calvin, one of my heroes. And he believed it. He believed it was Paul, but they didn't have the technology, I think, to compare you know, the linguistics and all that that we have today. So it would have been more difficult for him. to Anyway. Um, Don't get caught in the weeds, buddy. Come on. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, man. I'm, I live in the weeds. Um, so he, uh, Hebrews 5.11. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk 
not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will be if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for land that has drunk the rain and often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his, in his name, serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dr. Steve Nichols likes to think it or likes to claim it was Priscilla. According to Nathaniel. Oh my. Well, that sounds controversial. The author to the Hebrews he's referring to. So, Mike, what do we do with that passage? Uh, I don't I think we need to uh, delete it because it's not in red lettering. Oh, that hurts. Don't do that. That's why I hate red letter Bibles. Anyway. Just kidding. That was sarcasm, everybody. We shouldn't delete anything from the Bible. Um, so so there are a few ways that, that this passage has been interpreted. Um, there are some that believe this is evidence that someone can lose their salvation. We have to understand the context in which this scripture was written, right? So it's written to a Jewish audience. Mike, why was mm. it different? What was the like the difficulty of Jews coming into the faith like was there was there an issue that maybe paul and peter had a conversation about it at some point like maybe there was a church council about it maybe they even addressed one another in their letters can you recall what that might be uh circumcision well many things circumcision yeah there's many things dietary laws yeah 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 Yeah. so so for the jews they struggled to understand um, what to do, because to essentially to go from Judaism to the Christian faith, you renounced your Judaism, but you kept a lot of the same things. But there were some who um, came into the Christian community, renounced their Judaism. And then after they came into the community, 
there were people who were leaving the Christian faith to go back into Judaism when they were under persecution. Right. You tracking so far? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know what Mark 4.17 has to say? If you have a Bible, I'm pretty sure these are being red letters. They are. I just clicked on it. Jesus says, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on account of what? The word. The word. The word. Immediately. Immediately they fall away. So we see here a picture of the, the Jewish audience falling away um, once persecution came on account of the word of God. So it's important for us to understand this text in light of that, right? Also, one tool of biblical interpretation that we have to understand is that when passages are unclear, we need to look at hints as to are there any clarifying remarks that can shed light on what was just unclear? Because if you look at, excuse me, my, my nose is getting a little runny, but um, it's because uh, Luke makes me cry when he's not here. So if you look at Hebrews 6 particularly, and, and especially verse 4, verse 4 says, for it is impossible. I mean, that's huge. It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. And then they fall away to restore them back again to repentance. So once you've fallen away, it's impossible to be restored into repentance, according to Ephesians 4. But it's important for us to understand that these things that are listed, like this sounds like Christian community. This sounds like you have tasted the good things of God. When I go back to, say, Acts 2, um, Acts 2, 42 through 47, we see a picture of all of those things. We see the teaching of God's word. We see the blessings of community as people were selling all of their belongings to care for the less fortunate. We're seeing some of these things that are happening within the Christian community. It doesn't necessarily mean that these individuals had been um, renewed or regenerated by the Holy Spirit. I think that's an, an important distinction to make. Al Mohler um, presents three options that we can take in our understanding of, of this passage. So one is that there are, these are people who are genuine followers of Jesus. They truly repented of their sin, were united with Christ, and were actively in the body of believers. However, this is insufficient when you look at the Bible and it tells us in John 5.24, Romans 8.39, Romans 11.29, 1 Corinthians 1.6-8, uh, Philippians 1.6, and 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. When we look at all that, those are all passages that point to God's grace in persevering his saints, mm-hmm. in keeping his saints in his hand forever. Mm-hmm. Second option is to read the passage as a hypothetical warning. As in like, hey, if you continue not to learn these things, you're going to, like, you could potentially end up like this, although that will never happen. It's hypothetical. But I think the third option, the third option, is the most faithful way to interpret it, which is to read this passage as a real warning. And it's not a warning for the truly regenerate, 
Rather, it's a caution for individuals who have tasted the things of Christ, but have not become genuine Christians. I think that's where we land on this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think that is the, the not just because it's the Reformed perspective, I think that that is what the Bible teaches in its, in its entirety. And I think we understand it because when you come down to verse 7 of this text, of chapter 6 of Hebrews, we see the illustration used by the author. For land that has drunk rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for, those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So I think in verse 7, you see a picture of all these blessings that the author talks about in verse 4. Being enlightened, tasting the heavenly gift, having shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. So all of that is like the rain coming down from heaven. And it produces in verse 7 a crop to be cultivated and receives a blessing from God. And in verse 8, those same things, the same water's coming down, but it bears thorns and thistles. And he says that it's worthless and near to being cursed and, and its end is to be burned. I think that I think that's the answer, man. So how in light of that do we know whether or not we're we're truly saved mm-hmm. if it's not just about what we're doing and what we're saying? Well, what do you say, Pastor Mike? I feel like I've done all the heavy lifting. Can you can you throw me a bone here, man? I want to sip some more coffee. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Are you are you? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think this is where why uh, the scriptures are written to community. Mm-hmm. Because we're not called to just evaluate ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are called to live in community and pray for one another, build each other up and hold one another accountable and test ourselves. You know, uh, Paul says to test yourself, to keep your, to see that you are, you know, to test your faith, to see that you are of the faith. But at the same time, we do that in the, in the surroundings of community of the church. Um, and so we don't, we don't just trust words. We don't just trust our actions. We trust a person. Mm-hmm. We don't trust mm-hmm. our no- We don't trust our knowledge. We trust who that person is for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just a head game. It's not just a heart game. It's not just a hands game. It's a trust game in someone who accomplished that all for us. And so you can write volumes. You can do all the worldly good that you want to do uh, at the end of the day, if it is separated from a a love and acknowledgement and a desire for Christ, that's where it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll be completely transparent. I was, uh, you know, a while back I was feeling, I I go through regular bouts of significant discouragement, even Mm -hmm. before the pandemic, significant discouragement in my a calling to pastoral ministry. 
And, uh, and I honestly shared with a, a mentor and friend, I said, you know, but what else is there for me to do? And he, he rebuked me gently and said, oh, so you're just doing it for the money. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that's not what I was saying. But at the end of the day, we have to wrestle with why are we in what we're in? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where the, the where that's where community is important to wrestle with these questions. And at the end of the day, uh, is this is this about Christ or is it about me? Um, you know, are we writing books? Are we hosting Bible and banters? Are we doing these things to make ourselves well known? Or for as your shirt, your shirt says, uh, for the glory of God alone. Uh, so, and that's a hard thing to wrestle with because any one of us at any given moment or day can really wrestle with what are our motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's the key is what are, are we wrestling? Mm-hmm. Um, are, do we go through bouts of not necessarily discouragement per se, but are we, are we wrestling? Are we trying to bring our motivations, our desires, uh, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm and living for, for what he has done for us. And so again, it's really not about um, externals. It's about the the work of Jesus, which is totally external from us mm-hmm. and receiving that for us. Uh, now that doesn't mean then, you know, an Arminian would, would say, well, then you can just live any way you want to. And my, my comment to that is no, because the power of Christ is so powerful that it will change you and what you do think, act and feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a get out of jail free card, do whatever you live, however you want. It's now freedom to actually live the way that God has called us to live. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mike. That I mean, that was a tremendous answer. That was trem- I, I was looking for maybe something a little bit different, but that's okay. <laughs> Enlighten us. <laughs> well, uh, I look, I love getting this question uh, yeah. from from people uh, because I love assuring them of their self, like pointing them to the cross and saying like, well, how do I know that I'm saved? Uh, because Christ is risen. That's what I say. Do you believe in Christ? Yes. Um, have you repented of your sin? Have you turned away from it? Do you hate your sin? The sin that, that has brought you to this place. Do you hate it? Yes. Do you love the holiness and righteousness of God? Yes. Do you see the fruit of your conversion? Do you see the fruit of your repentance and your faith? Yes. Then that's that right there. It's not your work, but it's the work of God in you. It is Christ's work that you trust in. So this is how you know. Now, Paul, Maxwell, and maybe some others at some point would have said that same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they might have affirmed those same uh, same exact questions. And, and to them, you know, I wouldn't have. You know, now I can be assured that they've renounced their faith. So I can go, well, that's how you know you're not safe. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a, a man's fascination with knowing all the answers is really a, the truest form of idolatry. Hmm. And and we want to know, like, everything about every person as to whether or not they are saved. And God gives us very simple answers through his word. And I just gave them to you. I just, you know, th- those things. Now, if you're... If it changes over time, we've talked about a couple of things. Could be that you're in a spiritually dry season. Could be that you're under spiritual warfare. But one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us is tragedy and persecution. 
tragedy and persecution. Because in the midst of our tragedies, whatever trials they might be, in the midst of, of persecution, right? So Jesus promises persecution. That's why I don't understand Christians who get all up in arms like, oh, we're being persecuted. Great. <laughs> like this, this is a gift. Like, why are you like, certainly we don't want people being killed and being driven like underground or anything like that. We don't want that. But when it comes, we learn that it's a, that it's a gift from God. It's promised to us. And that doesn't mean that we have to, that we shouldn't resist it, but it means that the, like, this is a means that God uses to assure us of our faith so that when persecution trial and, and tragedy come, we still hold, we, we're still hold tightly to our faith in Christ. That's how we know mm-hmm. that, that right there is a true gift from God. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, I'm surprised we've lost like most of our viewers. I know my bad. I blame myself. <laughs> you know that, you know, that's a sign of they apostatized our show. They all apostatized, man. Uh, because you know, you're not a real Christian unless you watch Bible and Bandit. Poorly, poorly stated. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so, Mike, I think we handled all the tough theological questions. I'm, I'm surprised no one at, like, no one pushed yeah. back on anything. Like, I was kind of looking forward to some back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because we tried using the new cameras. Maybe. Or they were busy clicking on the link for Logos Bible software. Maybe. Now they have Logos, they don't need us. <laughs> that, that's true. Uh, you know what? If I if if there was a choice of you getting Logos and using it daily for your Bible study or watching Bible and banter, I would certainly choose Logos. Yeah. Well, and it could be also the weather's getting nicer, probably all around the country, and so they probably can only last a little bit long, a little bit with us, and then need to go outside and enjoy enjoy yeah. the sunshine. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, be, just stay pasty white like Mike and I. It's true. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, and you know, the funny thing about Logos, man, is that when I was re-looking at it last night, like when they sent me, hey, you've been approved, they said you have to, at a minimum, mention it every 90 days for this to stay active. And we hadn't mentioned it at all <laughs> until until last week. So uh, we've, we've really messed up, or I have. So my bad, Logos. I love you. <laughs> now, was that that was not connected to Patreon or anything. That was a completely different. Completely different. Completely different. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, what what else is new with you, Mike? Now that we're done talking about apostasy, unless somebody has questions, if someone wants to push back, comment or anything like that, we're here for it. Yeah, uh, not too much. A busy season. I just started facilitating an MTI course. Ooh. Uh, my my children are going to be starting up uh, their baseball. Uh, our oldest son has entered the next level where they actually do evaluations and stuff. And he had his first one last night, and he has a second one tonight. And then they'll divvy up the teams. And I'm really hoping that my uh, schedule and such doesn't keep me away from a lot of those games and practices. But such is life. Well, I'm uh, sorry. Your, I'm sorry your kids chose to play baseball instead of you know something more exciting, like curling. Curling is fascinating. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah. I know yeah. I always say that tongue in cheek, but it is a fascinating sport. Yeah. Uh, but hockey, another ice sport. You're in Maine, man. What, aren't there hockey? There must be plenty of hockey rinks around. 
Oh yeah, but it's also expensive and and violent. Violence isn't all bad. True. Two, um, and more importantly, it's not as expensive as you think. Like if you're thinking about equipment, because I wasn't allowed to play hockey when I was a kid because we were poor, so we didn't have we didn't have the money to buy all the equipment. And I just remember my mom saying, "You know, it's going to cost like five hundred dollars to buy all the equipment. They're not blah blah blah." Well. Dude, now that I'm an adult and I'm and I'm like in the hockey community now, um, like I was able to hook my kids up less than a hundred bucks a pot hmm. with the stuff. So just floating that out there in case your kids want to play, you know, a real gotta sport. Teach, gotta teach them how to skate first. Yeah. And I but don't know how a, to I don't know how to ice skate either. So it's easier at a young age. They pick it yeah. up more quickly. No, I'm pretty stiff. Like <laughs> I'm I'm a little concerned about my ability to to you know, it's why I don't ski either. It's because I, I know I can't stop. Mm-hmm. I've tried. Yeah, well, hockey, a beautiful game. I, I will say I like to watch. I would. I do enjoy going to actual hockey games. I'm not such a on TV hockey person, but hockey is fun to watch in person. You should come down to North Kakilaki, man. I'll take you to as many hockey games as you want to go to. Are you offering me a job? I don't have any jobs to offer you. Okay, then no, I'm not, not coming down to North Carolina. <laughs> uh, um, Mark says skiing is easy. Stopping and not skiing. <laughs> that is the truest statement that has been shared on this show today. Yeah. Um, well, Mike, uh, you know, it's. I, I hope we handled the discussion today about apostasy well. It's not something that any of us want to see. Um, I think there's a lot, there's a myriad of issues where that we have in the church. Why uh, there's not one single reason why people leave the faith. Um, and, and I mean that in the terms that we would uh, agree with as reformed folks. Um, but, uh, you know, I, ultimately it's, it's God's sovereignty. Um, but I think there are certainly con- some contributing factors within the church. Part of it. Um, I forget who said it earlier, but essentially Christians are not so nice to other Christians at, at some point, at some time. Yeah, so, it's yeah. true. And you know what? Right. A lot, a lot of that is anger and fear based. But we could get that into fundamentalism, yeah. and, yeah. and 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 I'm okay being a fundamentalist on certain issues, but mm-hmm. you know, certain other things. It's, we someone left a note on our church door over the weekend, and it had. In fact, I might still have it in my trash. Uh, yeah. So this note right here uh, about the vaccine, mm-hmm. the vaccines and whatnot. And I was able to look up everything on here. And this is all hogwash. Yep. I looked it up like it, it was it was insane. So, you know what? It's not hogwash, but it's big tech wiping out the real answers. What else? Uh, <laughs> um, and I actually had a really good discussion because one of the one of the things they talk about, and it might actually be good to have um, Tom on the show, even though he's about the second most boring person I know, uh, and I mean that in the best way possible. I love Tom, um, but he he really majors in um, ethics, Christian ethics. He I think his his chief aim is to be the Russell Moore of the Everett Christian denomination. So we need to establish a, a an ethics of ethics and religion, liberty, whatever I don't know, whatever they do, whatever Russell Moore calls it. But um, 
to talk about because uh, um, that that paper said that essentially all the vaccines are come from stem cells used in aborted babies. No one is like, listen, I am a hardliner on abortion. All right. Uh, and, and when I say a hardliner, I'm not talking about like, hey, let's blow up abortion clinics. Don't do that. That's not OK. But I'm a hardliner in the sense of like. Elective abortion is murder. Full stop. Like there's no question um, in, in my mind, at least. So. Knowing that um, I did the research and um, any uh, there are stem cells that are used to develop these vaccines and, and not just the COVID vaccines, but all vaccines in general or most vaccines. Uh, it actually comes from um, a lot of uh, stem cells from from spontaneous abortions like miscarriages. So a miscarriage is actually labeled. Like, like, by in the medical documents, a, mi a miscarriage is labeled a spontaneous abortion. Exactly, and that's why we have to be careful with saying they, these were aborted babies. Babies was it a forcep aborted, or or was it the body naturally aborting? Right. Yeah. And that can and that can and then you have others that aren't really elective, like an ectopic pregnancies. An ectopic pregnancy is when the 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 fertilized egg. Um, attaches outside of the uterus exactly. and what, and what happens is like, essentially as that baby grows, that baby is going to die. Like no question. You can't save the life, the life of the child and the mom's going to die. Oh, absolutely. It's exceptionally dangerous for, for the mother. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you're yeah. essentially dealing with a, a dot death on both ends. So now what do you do? Just allow both people to die? No, of course not. You, 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 tragically have to remove that child or else the mom will die as well. So um, when it comes to the spontaneous abortions and, and the, the fetal tissue being used as stem cells to develop all these things, the question is like, well, how is that different than being an organ donor? Mm -hmm. Right. How is that different than like, than, than, you know, um, donating your body to scientific research or anything like mm -hmm. that. So um, would you, Eric, assuming they were an organ donor, would you accept an organ from a murdered individual? I don't see why you wouldn't. Were they murdered for the purpose? So were they murdered for the purpose to save more lives as you know, because all these organs are going to go everywhere. Then I right. have an ethical problem with that. Right. Let, let's like just, if my kid, like if my kid, like if I needed a kidney, my kid went and found somebody that was, a, that was, an organ donor that would have had a perfect match. It was like, oh, I'm going to kill this dude so that my dad could get a kidney. Right. I'd probably reject it on moral grounds. Right. But if you're, right. Yeah. Like, for example, we shouldn't have babies to abort them so that we can use them in research. Correct. 100% agree. But if Abhorrent. it were, yeah. yeah. So uh, removing that from the equation, we would say if that, especially if that murdered individual was an organ donor, I think most of us would say yes to using their organs for, for medical purposes. Mm -hmm. and, and so we can, we can say, you know, that has some not perfect by any stretch, some, you know, transferability towards the discussion of how these stem cells from however these babies were or were not aborted. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's more, it's a much more complicated discussion 
than a posting to a church door. Right. And I look at that as like ignorant fundamentalism. Like you just heard something at one at one time and now you're going to just run with it without doing any kind of research. And the research that you do do is going to be from the – I said do-do. Uh, it's going to be from like <laughs> my junior high uh, part of my brain triggered as well. Yeah. So they're going to, they're going to, you know, go into the recesses of their own fundamentalism and not engage with people they might disagree with mm-hmm. out of fear. So that's the kind of fundamentalism that, that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, want to push back against because it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Yeah. And mentioning that, I just got my second COVID shot last week. Well, I was going to say, do you have do you feel your genes being altered and changed? Do you have any superpowers or anything cool happening? Yeah, so I'm able to climb on walls. Wow. Uh, and I'm also able to shoot webs out of my wrists. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what my superpower is going to be. Uh, Hopefully a sense of humor. Our, our, our winning personality because those are two things you clearly don't have yeah, yeah. um and there's yeah. nothing that can fix this face so i gotta give up on that even that's gene for sure therapy. that's for sure yeah so yeah <laughs> cool man well this was fun it was real next week i think we're gonna start opening up the book of philippians right absolutely cool man well we will see you guys next week God bless you. Take care. We love you. Uh, That's all I got.